Well, good morning, everybody. I uh, want to welcome you here and uh, on this uh, second week of a series that we are calling uh, Life Together. Now, I don't know if there's anything I should take from this or not, but we start a series called Life Together, and then on week number two, half of the staff leaves and goes away. So we are not uh, Life Together all here, but uh, grateful today for um, you know many who have stepped up. But uh, Eddie is away, uh, finished a week of seminary class, and now is on vacation for a week. Um, Bill and Tina are away this weekend. Uh, Debbie was sick this morning, so we actually used um, tracks for music in the first service. And so, um, yeah, we were doing life together, but half of our staff are not here. But uh, So I don't know what to make of that. But what we uh, really are talking about here for the next several weeks are uh, what it means to be the church and specifically how to be the church when everything we think about church is different. Um, now, that's not new. We've been living uh, that reality since March. Uh, but I think something happens as we turn the corner into a new year and as we come through Christmas and as we still live in the hope of what might eventually be or might, what might return, but yet the reality of where we are now, and you couple that with the cold weather and just everything that takes place, uh, it gets difficult sometimes. But we reminded ourselves last week that the mission hasn't changed. Uh, what the church is meant to be inside of our world hasn't changed. Uh, Jesus, um, God has not changed. The need inside of people's lives for Christ has not changed. And so it's important now, perhaps more than ever, that we be the church, even when uh, what that looks like is different, uh, even our gatherings are relating, uh, what does it look like to be the church together? Um, and so um, the path we've taken to kind of get there over these weeks is through the one another statements in the New Testament. We said that there's some 55 of them, and those are just direct one another phrases that um, doesn't even count the phrases that here's how I want you or how you should live and uh, the phrases that would either be you or you all or, or the church or the body. Uh, these are simply even just the one another uh, phrases that we get inside of the New Testament. So where we began uh, last week, by the way, let me invite you just as an extension of uh, the prayer time we just had just to lift up uh, in particular, you know, and I know that you have many different concerns, people that you think of, but uh, today, let me just invite you to lift up two families, uh, the Cross family, Tom Cross. Uh, we have a Tom Krause and a Tom Cross. And so Tom Cross, uh, who is a member of our church and has uh, coordinated the cemetery for the past several years, uh, died this week of COVID. And, and so uh, funeral arrangements will be uh, forthcoming uh, probably later this week. And then uh, just uh, late last night, we learned that uh, Scott Wamsley lost his mom and she had been sick. Um, for you know a while and inside of um, a nursing facility and uh, Scott's mom passed away, uh, Marge. Um, so I want to invite you to lift up Scott and his dad, uh, his sister as well. And again, when we know more um, information, we'll share that with you. But uh, that really even just underscores, uh, you know, I want you to know and keep those family, you know, those two families in your prayers, but also just underscores the need for what it means for us to be the body, for us to be the church together. And so last week we began with um, the first one another was that we are members of one another. And one of the predominant uh, analogies, illustrations for what the church is, uh, is that of a body. And so three different times Paul begins to teach about uh, the church as a body and that the body has is one and yet it's made up of many parts and how we interrelate to one another, how we care for one another, how we belong to one another, that we are members of one another, and what that looks like. And we ended really with, with three questions. 
And the first was, where have I, where have you drifted from community to isolation? Now, this is a setup because, again, inside of what we've lived for the past 10 months, uh, you might say that we've all drifted from community to isolation. But I think this is more than just physical because you have the ability to reach out, you have the ability to stay in touch. Um, and then I'll say it the other way, sometimes even when you were in touch, it doesn't necessarily mean that you were in community. There's a natural tendency, whether you are a people person or an introvert, there's a natural tendency for us to drift from community to isolation. Again, you could be surrounded by people, and yet no one really knows you or what you're going through. You could be all alone and yet still have the community that you need. Even if you're alone physically, you could be connected. So this is not just about activity. This is about how we build our lives into the people around us. The second question we asked was, where have I allowed personal beliefs, which is your, your politics, your ideology, your, your theology, you know, the things that you feel about X, Y, and Z, which are important, and it's not as if these things don't matter, but where have I allowed those things to choke out community and relationship? And so where is it possible to prioritize the person and to prioritize the relationship over being right or being loudest or being heard or being understood, but to prioritize the person in the midst of that? And then the third thing we asked is, uh, just to make it as practical as we could, who needs to hear from me this week? And I hope that you remember that even after you left here or you watched it at home. If not, it could be homework that you carry into this week. Who needs to hear from me? Um, many of you know I'm a list person, and one of the things I, I do you know, is try to write down, and um, it, it, it's probably something very not healthy in this, but almost my job Monday morning is to fill the piece of paper. Um, I've actually, if you want to get real nerdy into the inner workings of Mike, is uh, there are 100 spots on this piece of paper when you divide it into three columns, and then there's a little section up to the upper left. And the upper left is all like the personal things that I need to do. There's 13 lines there, in case you want to know. And then on the legal pad, there's you know the, the rest of the, the 87 spots. The bottom right I use for relational things. And I've started over the past you know couple of weeks to ask, who needs to hear from me this week? Who needs to hear from me this week? Sometimes these are people that have reached out, and sometimes it's just I ask God to lay upon my heart who needs to hear from me this week. And I will confess, sometimes when I get to the next Monday morning, there are names in that bottom right quadrant that haven't been crossed off yet because I did not get to it. And that's okay, but at the same time, I think it's worth being intentional to ask the question, not just where have I drifted or where have I allowed things to choke out relationships, but to be specific inside of the community that God has given us, who needs to hear from me this week? And to not just let it become natural, because our not, natural tendency is not towards greater community. Our, great, you know, our natural tendency is towards isolation. So that's where we were last week, and kind of as a springboard for that, we used uh, Romans chapter 12. Now, Romans chapter 12, uh, we mentioned, uh, is the hinge, really, of the book, 16 chapters in Romans, the first 11 chapters are theology, it's what it means to be in Christ and, and some deep and rich verses inside of Romans 1 to 11. Chapter 12, I mentioned that the first verses I had ever memorized at Delanco Camp in 1991, I urge you, brothers and sisters, therefore by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, uh, in view of God's mercy, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing un, unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So Paul's saying, in light of everything, therefore, in view of God's mercy, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. This is your act of worship. 
And then don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as we move from that, then uh, Paul begins to go into the idea that we are members of one another. That we are members of one another. That we belong to one another. Then he begins to talk about spiritual gifts. And this is in, say, verses like 6, 7, and 8 of chapter 12. Again, this is the hinge between what we know to be true in Christ and then what it means for us. This is how Paul begins to, to shift the conversation in his letter to the Romans. And then you get to verse number 9, and that's where we pick up with our two words for this morning. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse number 9. Love must be, be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Here's our two for today. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, and do not be conceited. So the focus verse there, you know, in verse number 10, Paul says, be devoted to one another and honor one another above yourselves. To be honored, honor one another and to be devoted to one another. And again, this comes right at the outset as Paul is making that shift inside of the book of Romans of how we live out what we know to be true in Christ what he's done inside of your life, who he's set you free to be and to become. Therefore, in light of all that God has done, present yourself as a living sacrifice because we are members to one another and you have gifts to to display inside the body of Christ. And oh, by the way, to make this as practical as we can, love one another, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, be devoted to one another and honor one another above yourselves. This is, you know, foundational inside of Paul's Life And I wanted to begin with these two particular phrases uh, before we get to some of the specifics of the coming weeks. We're going to talk about encouragement. We're going to talk about forgiveness and serving. Those are some of the one another statements to come. But, but these two can seem very foundational, almost that they undergird all the others. Because you can't serve someone else without devotion or honor. You can't really fully love somebody without these. And so there is an integration that they begin to go together, and yet I think there's some specifics that we can point to uh, inside of these as well. Let's press that forward. Have you ever had a time where you felt honored? Now, we use that phrase sometimes to say, is, oh, I'm, I'm honored that you would ask. And what we really mean is just that you know I'm touched or I appreciate. But, but push that a little bit deeper. Has there ever been a time where you felt honored? Not where you've been given an award necessarily or, you know, given a gold watch at retirement, uh, that you received an honor that you can hang on a wall. Have you ever felt inside of a relationship where someone has honored you through what they have done or what they've said or what they've sacrificed? And through tangible actions, you've felt that they have honored you as a person. I was thinking back this week and I believe I've shared with you before that my calling to ministry took place the summer before my senior year of high school as I was trying to figure out what, what was next and what I was going to do. And, and as I was at Delanco camp uh, serving that week, I was a maintenance person and a lifeguard. 
But as we headed into the second to last week of the summer, junior high camp, uh, there was more kids registered than what was typical. So they asked if I would also serve as a counselor that week. And uh, looking forward to the opportunity to be a counselor in addition to just, you know, serving kind of behind the scenes, I said yes. And so I was placed in this kind of upstairs lounge, they called it, where there were two rooms, and there was going to be uh, three kids in the room I was in, the smaller room, and then eight kids in another room. And I thought that I could, you know, serve as a counselor. It wasn't too many kids, and uh, that was a way that I could serve. I was kind of excited about it. And then on uh, the night where sign-ups took place or registration took place, there were some walk-ons that came. And after they, they filled up the boys' dorm, I was asked, do you think there's room inside of your room for another bunk bed? Now, the room that I was in was really just about this squared-off area here, and so there was already uh, my single bed, and there was a bunk bed over here. And so I thought, sure, if we move this bunk bed up, we could put another bunk bed over here, and I could fit two more. And so there would, uh, you know, it would fill out kind of this small room that I was in, but it seemed like the right thing to do. After all, it was already hot. It was already going to be stinky. The junior high kids arrived smelling, you know, so I think it wasn't going to get any worse. And so I thought, sure, what's another couple of kids? And, and so these two kids were added to the room. And, and I think part of God's working inside of my heart that, that week was to say, what do you want your life to be about? As you think about choosing a college, as you think about what's next, as, as you think about what your life is going to be, what are the things that bring joy to your heart and where do you feel like you could best be utilized was, was kind of some of the initial questions I was dealing with. Well, I served as a counselor that week, and I, don't, I wouldn't say that I thrived in the role. I think that I survived the role. You know, I invested in these kids, had the opportunity to lead some devotions and to tell them to go to bed because it's going to be late. I, I think at one point, uh, one of them, like, you know, was hanging my underwear out the, out the, door, at the, out the window of the second floor. You know, the, you know, all the things that you experienced during the course of that week. Uh, but on Thursday night, one of the moms came uh, to visit, and she had in her hand a, a big plastic bag. Now, every junior high camper or all campers really love to get either a care package uh, that comes. Everybody likes to get mail, and the mail most likely either has money or candy or both inside of it. Um, or, when, ooh, sorry about that. Or when they show up uh, to bring gifts or to bring, again, money or candy or both. And so this particular mom came, and she showed up, and she had a, a plastic bag in her hand. And I thought, oh, you know, she brought her son some, some goodies. Now, she may have brought him a bag, but the bag that I saw her holding, she came up and she gave to me. And she said, I just want to thank you for making room for my son. And inside of the bag, I think there were some pretzels, and I think there were some Pringles, and there was a couple of bags of candy. And then there was a note that said, he almost didn't come, and he really didn't want to come, but he really needs this. And thank you for making, my room, making room for my son to attend camp this week. You never know the difference that it will make. And, you know, at the time it could have just been a cool note. I'm a 17-year-old kid and, you know, so I got some gummy worms or I got some candy or, you know, it's nice to be appreciated. But I think inside of wrestling through God's calling upon my life, I began to get, get a picture of what it looks like when you make space and you make room for other people inside of your life. There was no giant sacrifice inside of my life that week. I didn't give up my own bed. I didn't sleep on the floor. I didn't, you know, do anything major. But what I did do created space for somebody else. And it wasn't even the fact that 
it was recognized or rewarded or I felt like I was some big spiritual giant, but the fact that somebody noticed and appreciated, I felt honored inside of that moment. And you know what I thought? If I have the opportunity to do more of this, I want to do it because of the difference it makes inside the life of other people. Now, there are times that you are on the giving side of that, and there are times that you're on the receiving side of that. Let me just say this. It is easier sometimes for us to be on the giving side of that. One of the reasons I think we don't honor one another well is because sometimes we make it difficult. We don't receive honor well. And so when somebody comes to thank you for something, we think we need to throw on the the humility jacket, we say, no, 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 I don't want anything, I don't want anything, don't say thank you, it wasn't me, it was just all God, it was all... And, and when you do that, I think it's less likely that that person the next time is going to do it because you made it seem so awkward for them. And I think sometimes, you know, in our desire to be humble, we make it difficult to do this well, this honoring one another. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think we should, you know, grandstand, I don't think that you serve just for recognition, but I think... When somebody takes the time to express appreciation, you are receiving that as a gift to them, and it's a gift to the body of Christ of what we want to do more of to honor one another above ourselves. And so to honor is to esteem, to elevate, to celebrate, to value, or communicate, or announce the value of something. Sometimes the opposites help me, and so the opposites are obviously the word dishonor, to dishonor someone, or to show partiality, to degrade, to cheapen, to prejudge, discriminate, reject, or alienate. We want to be people who honor one another above ourselves. The devotion word goes along with that. and To, to devote is to align yourself with something, to commit, to, to be steadfast, to stand alongside, to follow through with something. We focused and and talked for a few weeks about Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking of of bread and to prayer, that there was something inside of that devotion that captured the essence of their relationship with Jesus Christ, the early church. Sometimes you'll talk about your prayer time in the morning or your scripture reading, and you'll say that I'm doing my devotions. We've made a noun out of that. But what it means to be devoted to something is that you give your life to it, and it is important, and you build it in to who you are. Can you recall a time when somebody stuck by you? Isn't it interesting that we should be devoted to Christ inside of that relationship, but he also says, I want you to be devoted to one another. Can you think of a time when somebody was devoted to you and they stuck by you? Maybe when they had every reason not to, or when others weren't, or when you weren't worthy of it, but they were steadfast, they were sure, they were loyal, they were immovable inside of your life, and even when you didn't know what your next step was, they said, I'm with you, to be devoted to one another. As I mentioned, these words, I think, can be general, right? We can just you, you know view them just kind of in the basic sense that I can check the box that says that if I'm not dishonoring somebody, or if I'm not not devoted, if I'm, you know, not undercutting somebody, as long as I'm not doing the opposite, I'm okay. And we can view these in the general sense, but I think they also have to get specific. Maybe it's similar to how we would approach the the word love. And you could, you know, approach love in the general sense and say, can I love the world 
absolutely. I, I can love everybody in the world, which means, you know, I'm not going to not love, I'm not going to make it difficult or hard on somebody. But when you get specific and says, I can't, you know, love the world without expressing that tangibly inside of specific actions in specific situations to specific people. That these things have to move from not only being general to being specific. So I want to unpack that just in the remainder of our time together, what that looks like. And the first thing I want to say that, that these things are both dispositions and actions. So a disposition means this is how I live in general. So if I want to be a loving person or I want to be a, a person who displays honor or who shows devotion, these are things that can be true inside of my life, generally speaking. So that in all of my interactions, whether it's with a stranger or somebody who's close or whether it's in a hard situation or an easy situation, that I can approach my life and, and build these things into the character of who I am. To be somebody who honors others above myself and is devoted uh, and shows that kind of devotion, not just to God, but to the people around me. But it also means they show up in, inside of concrete action and how we live, that, that these things begin to grow hands and feet, and they need to be exercised and lived out and not just kept in kind of this general, again, like I'm a loving person, you can't be a loving person unless you actually love. And so love is patient, love is kind, and it doesn't envy, and it doesn't boast, and it's not proud or rude or self-seeking or easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always perseveres, love never fails. There, there is, love has to grow feet and hands and lips and be lived out inside of our lives. But I think it's both, right? I think it is both the general way in which we live and then the times we have to live that out. Which brings me, I think, to the second point is you are not called to honor and devote yourself to everyone. Now, that almost seems to contradict what I just said, but it, you know the, the disposition of this being true, but when it comes down to practical actions, you cannot do these things all the time to everyone in every situation. And if you try to, one of two things is going to happen. You are either going to cheapen what it means to do it, or you're going to burn yourself out trying. Have you ever tried one that we're not going to talk about, you know, that we should be generous or that we should give towards one another? That's one of the other one another statements. You can be a giving person in your disposition, meaning that, you know, the way I view what I have, it's not just for me, but it's however God wants to direct it. But you cannot possibly give to every situation of need or every ministry. Or Eventually, there is a finite limitation to what you have to give. And I want to say the same is true inside of your honoring one another and even inside of your devotion. These general things that we want to be embodied inside of our life as dispositions when they grow hands and feet, you are not called to do this to everyone. Again, I think that helps us not cheapen the definition or not burn ourselves out or get burned inside a situation. You could be a true, loyal, consistent person of character and exhibit these characteristics, but we want to be honest about the fact that when the rubber meets the road, there are specific people to whom you are placed or called, and we are open to the fact that God could add to that list or send new people into our midst, but you cannot do this to everyone, but if we're going to do this well, 
We have to realize there's a limitation that, that the pool begins to shrink as far as what this looks like inside of your life. We'll talk about how we you know, delineate that in a second. All right, keep, keep going. Allow God to grow both aspects. Both to grow the aspects of honor and devotion inside of your life, but I think also to grow the aspects of the general and the specific. That God can continue to expand your character and your disposition to be you know, more honoring and more devoted, and yet at the same time, grow your willingness and your recognition that in specific situations, to respond as he would have you respond. You don't have the luxury as a follower of Jesus to say, I treat every, everyone well, so in this situation, I'm off the hook. That it's both general and specific inside of our lives. One final thing on this. You don't accidentally do it. This is a dis- decision that gets made in advance. You don't just accidentally or naturally wander into this but you make an intentional decision. And I would say this, the people who most need your devotion and the situations in which you can display uh, an attitude that honors people above yourselves, there are some easy people and easy places to do this. They don't need your prompting. But the places where it's going to be most needed and the places that are going to grow your faith more that when we begin to do this, require almost that you decide in advance that you're going to live that way, not just wait for it to happen naturally. Because naturally, we don't honor people above ourselves, especially the people that are hard to honor above ourselves because they make life tough on ourselves. And you know who I mean, and you don't have to point to anybody, but you can think of those situations. And so we need to decide in advance. And then hopefully to have the courage and the joy in the midst of it to actually honor people above ourselves and to follow through in our devotion to the people and the places where he's called us. So to kind of play this out, I just want to ask you again a couple of questions, three questions like last week. Uh, Which is easier? And I'm not talking about honor or devotion because I think, you know, they begin to kind of merge together for us. But which is easier for you, the general or the specific? I'll be honest and say for me, it is easier, easier to do the general. Because ge- the general means that I get up and in the course of any day, Lord, I want to honor people above myself to, self today. I want to live in such a way that it's not all about me, but you know, if, if there are situations that come up, Lord, help me to just be receptive to that. Lord, I want to be devoted to the things that you called me to, the people you called me to. It's easier to do that than for me that when I get locked into a schedule or to a routine or to an agenda that's on my mind, and there are specific opportunities to stop what I'm doing and to honor somebody above myself, that is more difficult to do. It's just how I'm wired. It's just what comes easier for me. It is easier to do the general part of it than the specific part. For others of you, maybe it's tougher to live. You get so uh, distracted maybe by the things that are going on during the course of a day, and maybe you don't always get it right, but when a need pops up, when a situation pops up, There is something that that grabs your heart and you spring into action to honor somebody above yourself or to show devotion and to follow through in a time of difficulty. I think for all of us, we do one or two of these things naturally well, and one of the two things we need to grow inside of our faith, the general and the specific aspects of this. Second, 
Who were you devoted to? And I put a word list here, not just because I'm a list maker, but I think this is a fun one to begin to think about and actually be intentional and to almost name it. Who are the people, or sometimes where are the places that you've been called to devote your life to? You can't be devoted to everything and to everyone, but to whom has God entrusted to you? The natural one, we begin with family, right? And then you begin to move out from there. One of the exercises I'm trying to work through now is, and I just call it the the circles. And there are about five different circles of relationships in my life, and some are clergy colleagues, and some... You know, is the staff of St. John's, and, and some are some, like, you know, deep friendships that maybe go back to my Delanco camp days. And, and, and inside of that, I'm starting to write down who's in those circles because I want to be intentional that the, the people that God has called me to be devoted to, that I learn from them and they learn from me, and we sharpen one another and we encourage one another and, and we do these things. I want to display that devotion, but it can't be to everyone because when I try to do it to everyone, I end up doing it to very few or no one. Now, the thing that's going to be terribly embarrassing is if this notebook somehow finds its way onto the internet and somebody sees that their name was on the list and then crossed off, because I think at some point, you know, I have to work through the fact, again, where are the limitations of who I'm called to be devoted to? I think it's okay to name that, because if we don't do it, we just leave it to chance. But who are you devoted to? Because then I think we can begin to work out what it looks like to be devoted, to be steadfast, to never give up, to journey alongside of. The honor question, I think, goes the opposite. Instead of listing and trying to be intentional is, inside of the moment, who will you choose to honor this week? Now, honor isn't you're going to call the trophy shop tomorrow or get a plaque made or, you know, send a big bouquet of flowers or... Um, You know, those kind of things are awesome, and it's good to tangibly express that. But sometimes it's just, where will I choose to honor someone above myself? Meaning there's a place where God has me serving, and there's not a whole lot of recognition. And maybe I don't even know if there's any fruit for my labor. Maybe it seems like a lost cause. Maybe it's draining me. But if God has called you into a situation to honor someone above yourself, we can continue to keep investing and giving and placing somebody's needs above our own. And you can't do it for everybody, but to the people he's called you to do it to, we want to continue to honor people above ourselves because when you do that, it not only makes a difference inside of their life, but I think it does something to enlarging and enlarge our faith, enlarge our heart, and to make us a little bit more like Jesus. There's a gentleman by the name of Gene Getz who wrote a series of books on the one and others. I think it was back in the 1980s by the book cover of the one uh, that's sitting inside of my office. And he tells a story inside of there of uh, this young piano player who was an accompanist. That's a hard word to say. I still don't know if I I say it differently every time. Uh, He accompanied singers. um, But... This kid could play the piano, and he was growing, and he got a job as a worship leader at a church. And again, this is back even probably before contemporary music, and so he was primarily a you know, piano player at a traditional church in the early 1980s, is I'm guessing the context that, that I foresee inside of my mind. And, and kind of a well-known vocalist came and was going to be bringing special music that week in their church. 
And this is not a made-up story. Gene Getz says that this is a friend of his. And uh, the friend, when it came time to, you know, the practice before the service, he thought this was his chance to shine. Here was this well-known, you know, just awesome singer. And so during warm-ups, he began to play, and he was all up and down the piano, and he was adding in different, you know, fills and, and flowery things to, to show how well he could play the piano. When they got done, the singer looked over and said, Brent, you did a great job, and I hope that I can accompany you with my voice, you know, uh, while, we, while we play the song. And, and I don't know if that was kind of tongue-in-cheek or if, if it was a little bit of a diva coming out or, or whatever, but whatever it was, uh, Gene says that for Brent, that was a wake-up moment for him because he realized that the job of the accompanist, you know what I'm saying, right, the, the piano player that goes along with the singer, the job of the accompanist is to make the singer look and sound good, not to be the star of the show. His job at that point was to play in such a way that she could sing and that the words that she sung and what she said would be front and center and that he would be in the background. And I wonder if with all of the one another's, what it means to prioritize relationships, but specifically for these two to honor one another above ourselves and to be devoted to one another, means that we get to play the role of here, one more time, the accompanist. We get to be the one who accompanies, and our job is to make the one next to us look and sound, or not even look and sound, but to be better, to advance, to get through what it is they're getting through, to grow inside of their faith. The goal of the Christian life is not for us to get what we want, or for us to look good in the process. The goal of the Christian life is that something happens deep within you that makes your life not about you. I think it's interesting then that on the last night with his disciples, Jesus washed their feet. And we make that kind of an analogy, we make it ceremonial, but inside of that moment, Jesus took off his outer garment, Jesus put a towel around his waist, and he began to scrub dirty feet that had walked all over Jerusalem and Judea that day. It was the job that nobody wanted. Otherwise, somebody would have done it before that point. But Jesus took the form of, of a servant, and it meant that he got his hands dirty, that he lowered himself for the exaltation of those around him. And I think that's what he calls us to be about honor one another above ourselves, and to be devoted to one another. Paul says it differently inside of the book of Philippians, and he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. For though he was in form and nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. But instead he made himself nothing and took the nature of a servant, and he humbled himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. The Christian life and your advancement inside of your faith means that it becomes less about us and more about the people and the situations and the places and the opportunities to serve where he has put us. So Paul says, honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another. And I think when we do that, the world gets a picture of not only who God is, but what it means to follow after him that is so countercultural it becomes attractive and you can't miss it. And it sticks out like a sore thumb because it is so contrary to the way of the world around us. And that's who we want to be.
Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you today for the people who honored me above themselves, who took time to either recognize or to provide opportunities or just to stand by me even when I wasn't getting it right. Lord, collectively here, all of our lives have been marked by people who have built into us when we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. People who stood by us through thick and thin. Lord, we're grateful today for those people, but we also know that that's the work that you were trying to do in us. And Lord, some of us today, we are tired and exhausted because of places where we're serving and it seems like it's not making a difference. Would you give us the courage and the willingness just to continue to keep placing others above ourselves? Lord, sometimes we are overwhelmed by just the enormity of, you know, the people that we could serve or the people we could reach out to. And I pray that you would even clarify for us just exactly who you have called us to be devoted to and how we might best do that this week. Lord, would you help us to accompany the people around us and not vice versa? God, would you give us the wisdom, the clarity, the conviction even, to do what it is that you lay on our heart this morning to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.